Good morning. We're in a short series called Disruptors that is all about the nature of leadership, looking at how God wants to adjust or disrupt our thinking about leadership and how the very nature of leadership is to bring about change, but not always in the way that we might expect. One of the primary ways that Jesus's life and teaching has changed my thinking about leadership is how he modelled that leadership isn't about us, it isn't about me. We spend so much of our lives thinking about ourselves. What am I going to do? When will this happen for me? Why haven't I achieved that yet? The greatest leaders in history were all living for a much higher purpose existing for a cause that went way beyond themselves. Leadership is about giving your life for that higher purpose or greater cause. And today we're going to focus on the purposes and people that go way beyond ourselves and how we can have spiritual sons and daughters. Think about great leaders like George Muller here in Bristol. He didn't care for thousands of orphans because it made him look good or made his life better. He did it to make their lives better. Jackie Pullinger didn't leave England and settle in the walled city uh, in Hong Kong in China to live with drug addicts and triad gangs because that would just be the obvious and easy thing to do. She did it to show the love and power of God. Last Sunday, Andy spoke about mothers and fathers. Think for a minute about the people who have invested in you, believed in you, encouraged you, supported you. Don't you want to be like that? I know I do. The kind of person who looks at others with eyes of faith, who believes the best. When Jesus looked at his disciples, he didn't primarily see ex-prostitutes or fishermen or tax collectors and sinners. He saw precious sons and daughters who would take the gospel around the world and who would have spiritual sons and daughters of their own. Jesus envisaged the way Paul would love Timothy the way Barnabas would look out for John Mark, even when Paul didn't want him on the team, the way Priscilla and Aquila would develop Apollos that we read about in Acts 18. Now, today I want us to return to the passage that Andy read last week. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in Ephesus. Paul had met Timothy years earlier and had travelled with him, giving him various tasks and ministry projects and eventually asked him to go and take a lead in the church in Ephesus to sort out challenges with false teaching. And we're going to read right from the beginning of the letter, 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
what can we learn about the nature of the relationship between Paul and Timothy? We see very similar greetings at the start of two of Paul's other letters to Timothy. That was the last letter that Paul wrote from prison in Rome and the letter he wrote to Titus. They show Paul's deep affection and care for his followers. These aren't just workers sent out to do his bidding. He writes, as we read in those verses, Timothy, my true son, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 2. In 2 Timothy, he writes, Timothy, my dear son. And to Titus, he writes, my true son in our common faith. Now, today, I want to share a little bit of my story, which I think will help in explaining how, in some ways, I've been treated by others like a spiritual son. I didn't grow up going to church regularly uh, as a child, but I did have key Christian influences in my life. My grandfather uh, was part of the Church of England and was a really kind man. My great aunt on the other side of the family, my mum's aunt, uh, who also lived in Bristol, cared for her elderly mother at home. And she was, my great aunt was a really loving person who had a simple but very real faith in God. And their examples, my grandfather and my great aunt, of, of how they went about their lives, how they lived, were really formative for me before I even got to understand the gospel. In my late teens, uh, I got invited to church by a friend and that led to me becoming a Christian. The first couple of churches I was part of, firstly in Manchester and then in London, um, had big church families. I remember one family with eight children and another family with 10 children uh, in the first church I was part of. And uh, you probably had it if you've grown up in church. You have those uh, families where there are multiple generations all part of the same church. And I think that is wonderful when that happens. But I didn't have that at all. I was on my own, uh, young in the faith, kind of investigating uh, my faith and, and getting into church. But I did have people who invested in me when I started getting more and more involved in church. I was part of King's Church in London, led by Steve Tibbet. He had moved to lead the church in the mid-1990s, and he got hold of a young guy uh, who was in his 20s at the time uh, called Phil Varley. And Phil spent time with me. I was, I was a student. Uh, I was studying a design degree in London. And Phil spent time with me and developed me as a worship leader and a youth leader. And I later went on to join the staff team of that church uh, called King's. And Phil was my friend, but he also oversaw me in most of the things that I did in church life. I benefited from Steve's input into Phil and Phil's input into me, like one generation to another. Phil was uh, a spiritual son to Steve and I was like a spiritual son to Phil, benefiting 
from their uh, leadership and encouragement. And I thank God for his grace coming into my life through those relationships. And there are people here um, who are now part of City Church, um, who Jess and I invested in uh, many, many years ago in London. Uh, someone like Eleanor DL, who is on the Cotton site team and leads Little Elms. We first met her when she was 15 or 16 and came along with a friend uh, to the youth group that we led. We first met Eleanor's husband, Sam, uh, who is one of the City Church trustees now and is also part of the Cotton site team. Uh, he came and did an intern year uh, with us at King's Church. Tim Hyam, who's now part of our staff team here, who's part of the ops team, uh, worked with me when he did an intern year. Uh, the mighty John Cooper was in the youth group uh, that I led. Now, I can't take that much credit uh, for who all those people have become, but I've played some part in investing in them. And there's been other people since we came to Bristol that I've been able to invest in. And that is a key part of what it means to me to be an elder, to invest in all of you and to encourage all of you to be investing in others. Now, I thought it would be really helpful to hear from someone else and learn from their experiences. So we're going to hear now from my friend, Emma Gregg. Emma, thanks so much for talking to us today. I'm going to dive straight in with a question. So Emma, uh, who has particularly invested in you as a leader? So I think the first, I guess it's not a single person that comes to mind, it's just particular friendships over the years. Yeah. Um, I think often when we're thinking about being invested in, particularly as a leader, we maybe think about it as like people who are way further along in their journey, but actually in our friendships, we can really choose to invest in one another intentionally. And I can think of just really specific friendships where when I've been um, in really hard places, they've picked me up and they've, they've kind of walked through that with me and they've said, let's pray about this when it's felt hard to pray, or they've yeah. said, let's read the Bible together when it feels hard to read the Bible. And I think so much of my spiritual formation kind of has come through friends who've been willing to be consistent. Um, and I think that's really important is how we're investing in one another. Yeah. Um, Cause we can do that all the time. And um, would you say that that's, has that been throughout your Christian life? Has that, have you found that's happened more in the last few years? So I think definitely more in the last few years. I think growing up, I did grow up in church, but mm. I think um, I didn't sense that as much. And I almost think probably after coming to uni, I was a bit more open to it. And I think that that's a real thing. Like people can invest in us, but we need to be open to the wisdom that other people bring into our lives and I think probably in the past five years or so I've really um seen the impact that can have and so I think as I've got older I've I've acknowledged the 
the benefits and the the joy that comes from that yeah and um, then could you talk a bit more about specific people who have uh invested in you or encouraged you in particular ways yeah of course so the lovely julia bundell is a Absolutely. constant encouragement in all of our lives and i could gush about her all day long um but while i was still at university um julia and i started meeting up um, and to be honest that's just developed into this beautiful friendship and i learned so much from her and the investment kind of looks like i feel that she's invited me into her life that we have very real conversations it's it's never one way we're both talking about what's going on in our lives and just having that open invitation into someone's life you feel so invested in I think through that and you see how they do life and you see how they do faith and so um Julia will be horrified that I've just um picked her up so much I think but she she does that well um and she calls out the goodness that she sees in me and that is a constant encouragement and has really helped me to develop um and then i think also um james lee has been um really important in my development as a leader and um, honestly before i interned with church last year i would never have deemed myself a leader yeah in any capacity um and james kind of saw something in me and was like, I'm going to keep calling this out until you believe it. And I'm going to keep throwing opportunities at you. And when you try and say no, I'm going to say, you've got this in you. Go and do it. Um, and again, it's just, he's been really intentional in that. And I think that's the thing with everybody who I feel has invested in my life is that there's a consistency and there is such a sense of those people being intentional. Um, so that's been really important. That's so good to hear. And then it, it, it's it's funny actually to hear you say, you know, interning last year, because it in some ways you're doing so much that it feels like you've been around for much, much longer than that and leading much longer than you have. So, but now the position that you're in, how do you feel like you're investing in other people? So I think just building friendships and doing life with people. So and um, just in my role as part of the R City team, I think just getting alongside particularly students and young adults. And sometimes that looks like a big commitment. And sometimes it looks like there's some people who I hang out with once a fortnight and we read the Bible together and we just talk about that in depth. And honestly, like that starts out as, okay, I'm going to invest in you by reading the Bible with you, but it it, there's like a mutual investment you know I get so much from getting to sit down um with those girls and just and read the bible yeah. um and so I think investing in people just in in everything I'm like I just want to lead you to Jesus and I want you to know him more deeply and so my investment in others can look like calling out the goodness I see in them I think that's really important because often we don't believe um our skills or the the gifts we've been given yeah. so I am like relentless in telling people that they are like excellent communicators or like telling them they did something really well I'm like if you keep telling someone eventually they'll believe you <laughs> um, 
And so I think that's a big thing. It doesn't seem like a big thing, but it's something that I like to do on a regular basis. Amazing. Emma, thank you so much for talking to us. And I'm sure we'll hear more from you again in the future. Thanks. Thanks, Emma. It's been great to have those insights. And I want to pick up on one of the people who Emma talked about, that's James. James is one of the people that I've served most closely with in the last few years. I didn't know James before we moved to Bristol, but since I've been here, James has taken on the leadership of the Student and Twenties Ministry, which is now called Our City. A few years ago, he joined the staff team and has taken on responsibility for worship across the church. Uh, and in the last few years, he's helped me particularly with leading here at the Cotton site. Um, and it was an absolute delight uh, to have James become an elder uh, alongside Jamie Finlay uh, last year. Now, I'm delighted to announce that James is going to be taking on the leadership of the Cotton site uh, from me as of now. I really do regard James as a friend and in some senses as a spiritual son, but more and more as a brother and a partner in the gospel. And this is what it means to invest in people and to see them flourish, to see them grow and mature so that they are having sons and daughters of their own. I know James will do an absolutely phenomenal job uh, in leading the Cotton site. And uh, if it had been in normal life, we probably would have made this change about six months ago. But obviously we've been hampered and a little bit delayed by COVID and not physically meeting together. But really we're acknowledging now what is already a reality. James fully leading at the Cotton site with obviously Jamie Finley leading the Bradley Stokes site and Ash George leading the Fishpond site. And that really means that uh, while Jess and I and our family will still be based at Cotton, my focus is more and more supporting those site leaders and their teams and helping every site of City Church to flourish. Now, back to our uh, verses that we've been looking at today. Let's just think for a moment. What do we mean when we say spiritual sons and daughters? We may or may not have the privilege of having our own biological children, but we can all have spiritual children, people we care for and nurture. They might look very different to us. They may have completely different backgrounds and stories, but we're called to invest in others and to help them to flourish. Not viewing people in terms of what can they do for us, but what you can do for them. Not thinking of people in terms of their usefulness to you, but how you can help them to flourish. You don't look at a tiny baby and think, when are you going to make me a cup of tea or do something useful? You look at them with love. You hope for their happiness. You want them, most of all, 
to know God and you dream big dreams for them. You have faith for who and what they will become. So to finish, I want to try and apply everything that we've been talking about for us. The main thing that I want you to get hold of is that you have something to pass on. There's things you have been given by God, talents and natural ability, things that you've been invested in uh, by spiritual mothers and fathers, things you've been taught and skills you've learned that you can pass um, those things on to others. In fact, you're meant to pass it on and entrust it to spiritual sons and daughters. One of the biggest mistakes in life is to think that all the investment in you is in order to get you to a certain achievement or position and to keep you there. Don't be like someone who gets rich and gathers a private art collection that only they can access. Be the kind of person who keeps using all the things that have been given to them to sponsor and promote and support others in who God's called them to be. You've been invested in so that you can invest in others. So how do we do it? How do we invest in spiritual sons and daughters? First, you need to know who you're investing in. Yes, we can and should be a blessing to everyone around us, but it's good to know who are you specifically developing. Jesus had his 12 disciples, but sometimes he took James and Peter and John aside and spent time with only them. And he also sent out the 72. Who has God put in your life? Maybe you could make a list of people that you particularly want to invest in and nurture. It might be friends. It might be someone in your team at work or someone in your connect group or ministry at church. Maybe God has put someone on your heart who doesn't have anyone looking out for them. Maybe God is saying you could be that person who could invest in them and develop them. And before you do anything else, you could just start praying for those people that are on your list or that God's been putting on your heart. Pray that God would bless them and that he would use you to be an encouragement to them. Secondly, you need to be intentional. These things don't normally just happen. Think of it like investing your money. It doesn't, your money doesn't make its own way to a different bank account, at least I hope it doesn't for your sake. You have to transfer it. And, and often when you make a bank transfer, you have to confirm, are you sure you want this amount to go to that account? Your greatest asset that you can spend on people is your time. Be intentional about setting aside time to be with certain people. Emma talked about being drawn into Julia's life and how she's appreciated spending time with her. You can invite people to join in with what you're doing, just part of your normal routine, doing normal life together. And you can also set aside particular times 
to meet up. You might suggest praying together or looking at the Bible together or just having time to talk. God can use you as a positive influence in someone else's life. Thirdly, think about what you can do for that person. The best thing you can do is to point them towards Jesus. Be a guide for them. You know, that can be things like teaching them, training them, inspiring them, investing in them, developing them, directing them, counselling them, advising them. That doesn't mean those people will always do what you say, and maybe they shouldn't always do what you say anyway. But you can be a godly example. Like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow my example or imitate me as I follow the example of Christ. That's what we can do for people. We can follow Jesus diligently ourselves and say to others, come with me, let's follow Jesus together. Lastly, do something now. Don't wait until you're a better person or a more mature Christian. You have something to pass on, so start now. Reach out to someone, spend time with them, invest in them. There may be particular things that you can give away. It might be responsibility at work. Maybe you can delegate something to someone. Perhaps you could ask someone to lead something. As you do that, it provides the context and opportunities to coach people in how to do something and then give them feedback on how they can grow and improve. Having spiritual sons and daughters is really what we're all about, passing on to others what we've discovered in Jesus, living out the great commission to make disciples of men and women from all nations, helping them to know life in Jesus, relationship with him, forgiveness, love, freedom, family. If we're not doing that, then what are we doing? We might as well pack up and and retire. This is what we're here for. And who knows what a son or daughter might do in the future. Maybe, God willing, they will go way beyond you. I pray that people I've invested in would go way, way beyond me. Imagine having sons and daughters who will champion causes like environmental concerns or eradicating poverty, who will challenge injustice and bring righteousness in law and politics, who will be teachers and nurses, who will start businesses, social enterprises or plant churches, who will be a force for good in the arts and media. So wherever you're at now, be a good son and a good daughter. Learn all you can so that you can invest in your own sons and daughters. You're never too young to start. Let's pray together. Father, I'm your son. Thank you for the way you have fathered me. Thank you that in Christ I have become a child of God. Help me to take your commission seriously to make disciples, to be diligent in investing in others and helping them grow up into maturity. Holy Spirit, 
Would you make us a church that keeps investing in the next generation? I pray that the older saints would invest in the younger. And I pray for our children, youth and students. Let them take their place. I pray they would go way beyond us. I pray they would plant churches and go to unreached peoples. I pray they would influence society for good by doing business ethically and leading by example. We're believing you, God, for amazing transformation if we take what we've been given and invest it in others. Be glorified, God, in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.